following is a live broadcast of the Lone Star Community Radio Program. Recorded and broadcasted live on IRLoneStar.com, Connors FM 104.5, 106.1, and Facebook.com slash IRLoneStar. For more information on this show, please visit our show page at IRLoneStar.com slash shows. To sponsor or donate to this program, visit our donate page at IRLoneStar.com slash donate or email us at lscrstudios at gmail.com, or give us a call at 936-666-1084. Lone Star Community Radio production and broadcast is possible by folks like you. So sponsor and donate today. Hey, this is Skippy from Mornings with Lone Star with Dick and Skippy. You're listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZWLP Conroe, and 106.1 KZCC LP Conroe, and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this week's edition of the Weekly Business Hour. It's Monday, May 11th, 2020, and we're right in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, Businesses, though, are beginning to open, at least here in Montgomery County, Texas, And so it's a great day, beautiful weather outside, people moving around more and more, a little bit each day. And that's good news for all of us. And it's good news for those of us who own and work in businesses. Very, very important that we start to get out and move around. Before I get much further, I want to remind you that this show is broadcast in video as well as audio. You can check out YouTube or Facebook, go to the Weekly Business Hour page, Click on it, and you can watch as well as listen to the program. That's the Weekly Business Hour channel on Facebook and YouTube. Today's program is sponsored by Keith O'Connell in Closing Strong. Uh, Keith O'Connell and his organization, uh, his support team, and the people that do what he does, coaching, mentoring, advising businesses of all sizes, particularly small and medium-sized businesses, These folks understand what it takes to make your business more successful. They understand how to connect you closer, if you can believe that, to your business. Make your business all about what you want it to be. Connect through the personal purpose statement. Connect with Keith O'Connor and Closing Strong. The best way to contact these folks is www.closingstrong.com. That's www.closingstrong.com closingstrong.com. I want to remind you too as well during the course of the show or after the show even, if you've got a question about something we're talking about or have a comment about the show or even if you just have a question about your business, please send it to me. Email address real easy. It's onebestconsult at gmail.com. That's onebestconsult at gmail.com. So make your questions. Uh, we're going to do a potentially a mailbag item today. It was a question that came in from one of our listeners. So please send them in. We love to receive them, and I love to respond and correspond with listeners to the weekly business hour. Well, today we're going to be in part two of a soup to nuts conversation, one of the most uh, germane type of, uh, excuse me, germane topics that all of us in business really need to be looking at and focusing on a bit right now, and that's sales. What are we going to do with our sales, our revenue? In many cases, businesses' revenue and sales dried up to zero because they closed their business. They were forced or had to close their business according to government rules and regulations, so they technically have zero sales. And that's still true in many states that haven't opened yet. But what do you do to rev up your sales engine? What is it all about? Well, guess what? Things are changing. And so today we're going to have part two of a soup to nuts conversation that we had recently with Mark Miller, and that's entitled Selling in the New Era. No doubt about it, we're all in a new era, and we need to do the things to our business to tweak things that will make us successful as we come out of this business shutdown that has affected the entire world. So please, listen close to Mr. Mark Miller as he discusses with us Selling in the New Era. Well, you're listening to the Weekly Business Hour, and we're continuing a soup-to-nuts conversation with Mr. Mark Miller. Mark is an expert, a leading expert, 
is based on experience and book learning and all the good things that turn you into an expert. But uh, absolutely, I've known Mark for a long time, and he's got a lot of good things to say about building your sales, building your sales team, your sales management, depending on how big a company you are. And we've been having this soup to nuts conversation. We had part one last week, part two, about the new era in sales, new era in a lot of things, new realities all around us. So uh, it's interesting. I hope you'll find this part interesting. Mark, you're going to give us a roadmap, if you will. And if you're watching this on video uh, replay, you'll see that map. Uh, It's there available for you to walk through. If you need a visual like me, I like visuals. Uh, But we're going to walk through it over the air as well. So, Mark, why don't we start this journey uh, at square one, so to speak? Okay. And just in case somebody's tuning in in the middle, yeah, I, you know, Mark Miller, I've been a sales guy most of my life, and I'm a chemist by training, so I'm living proof that salespeople are made, not born. So anybody can do it if they really want to. The, the thing that I did back in 98 was I left the corporate world and started my own business, and I became a licensee for the Sandler sales training folks. And wonderful group. Great stuff. Uh, you know, my, my view on sales training is something is better than nothing. And uh, if you want the very best, it's, it's a Sandler team. I don't do that anymore. In 2013, I, I gave it up. And the reason was I took a long-term gig at managing a sales force for a banking consulting company. And we'll get into that story as we move through here. When I came out on the other side, then I've been doing short-term gigs, managing sales forces on and on. And the problem is I couldn't figure out how to do more than one at a time. (laughs) So I found a process, and I'd like to take credit for it, but I I can't. It's a license from a company called SalesQB, as in sales quarterback, which fits me. I was a college football player. I'm a high school football official. I've been a football official for the last 40 years. Please don't tell anybody that because all the coaches are younger than 40, and somewhere experience becomes a detriment, and hopefully it's not now. But it starts at the other end of the problem. You know, and when you think about it, if you have someone and you want to send to sales training, that person is probably someone that's not performing, right? And you're trying to give them tools or think this is a good way to give them tools and then maybe they'll get better. Um, and believe me, I, over the years, hundreds of those folks, and you know, the real truth is if they wanted to get better, they might have started before they met me. <laughs> so if you don't want to, you're not going to. So if you have the want to, uh, sales training can fix it. If you just don't care and you're going there to click off the sales training box, maybe you should save your money and do something else. So these folks realize that. And as business owners, we have a relationship with our employees, good, bad, indifferent. It could be love, hate. It could be love, love. It could be dependable, dependable. It could be, oh, gee, that guy's a pain, but, you know, I went to college with his dad, and his dad's a good guy, so I'm going to keep... Whatever it is, we all have some relationship with the people. And if we didn't like those people, we'd have done something about it before today. And none of us have, because you're all sitting there going, well, yeah, you're kind of right, maybe, I don't know. But everybody's got one. Yeah. Even if you only have two people, one of y'all <laughs> is not doing what the other one thinks you ought to do. And you don't talk about it. Right? Because the truth is, nobody has a process. I mean, if I, I walk into a company and I say, well, describe your sales process to me. And I get blank stares coming back because there is no, we do this, then we do this, then we do this, then we make an appointment, then we go on a sales call, then we make a proposal, then we do this. Nobody has the steps lined out. And why not? Well, because most people don't like selling to begin with. It's a necessary evil. They know they have to do it. There are a few of you out there who are what I will call natural-born salespeople. You have your own non-reproducible sales style. Nobody else can do it like you, and you're right. They can't because it's yours. And God love you all, but there's about 8% of the population that are selling that are you. So everybody else is not going to be, A, as good as you, and B, do it like you. So you can't make them do it your way. So give that up. And uh, you'll learn it maybe like I did when I became a sales manager after being the top salesperson. By the way, if you're going to promote somebody to sales manager, it might not be your top sales guy because here's what happens. You lose your top sales guy and his or her performance. Now he or she is doing something they really don't want to do, which is manage people, trying to train them, 
They really don't like that because they don't understand why they can't do it like they did. And you lost all your business and everybody's unhappy, usually. Okay, so think about all this, but let's start with the process. So we'll use the example of the banking consulting people. It's as good as any. And people say, well, my business is different. You know, I sell products, I sell services, I sell whatever it is, you know. So actually, really, it's not. Everybody has, it's kind of like accounting, right? You got to put all those businesses that have to put their numbers in some column of profit and loss, expense, whatever. And it's, when you're selling something, you got to do the same thing. You got to build categories. What is a cold lead for you? Do you even have it defined? Is that somebody you shook hands with at the grocery store? Or is it someone that answered uh, an online request or pinged you through social media? Who are the cold leads and what do they look like? And what do you do with them? Do you call them until you're dead? Do you call them 55 times? I mean, what, what do you do with the cold leads? And, and, you know, one thing, just to interrupt you a sure. second, and the thing that I, uh, in your process, and, and, and again, I'm looking at your graphic, which again should be available from time to time on the, on the video. But the reality of first thing you need to do, particularly, again, coming out of what we're coming out of, it's part of what I mentioned in my best one best consult tip of the week uh, last week uh, being about taking an audit, if you will, or accounting of where you're at. And I wonder how many of us have really done that when it comes to our sales process, sales practices, uh, the whole sales thing other than we count sales. Yeah. or we count dollars of business or things like that. And the fact is that uh, for reasons you even talked about last week, but beyond those, uh, people need to start doing a reevaluation, if you will. And I think you need to do it on a regular basis, once a year or whatever. Uh, but compare yourself. This is the thing I picked up. Try to compare yourself to other sales teams, maybe, right? Yeah. Or do they have to be in your industry or just... No. People you might even buy from and say, boy, they got a great process the way it works. Right. I'm going to borrow some ideas, right? Absolutely. It, uh, please, if you find someone that has a process or something you, you think is a process and you don't think you have one, start there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and you can always you can always modify the process to fit you. But please don't be put off because um, you're buying fittings to put on your machine that you're building from this guy and he has his process. Doesn't mean it's going to be that much different than yours. Because everybody starts out with a lead. You know, you have cold leads, you have warm leads, you have hot leads, you have existing customers, and who knows what other categories you might want to put in. But they don't all get treated the same. And, you know, when I started this back in 98, uh, people would tell me it would take nine touches to get a new account. Nine. Okay, what's a touch? It's a call, it's an email, it's a letter, it's a postcard, it's a greeting, it's uh, some sort of communication. How's that? And it can't be, a, I'm going to take email off the list now because they don't count anymore. <laughs> Nobody reads them, right? So now the number is 18. So in 20 years, that number has doubled. And uh, it's probably going to even get bigger. So uh, a cold lead is just exactly that. It's a cold lead. And if you're counting those in, into your future business bucket one at a time, that's a big mistake. Because there's only some number of those cold leads that are dumped through. And wouldn't you like to know which one it was? <laughs> Where did it come from? And how did you get the cold lead? Did you pay somebody for it? Was it, what effort did you have to do? How much did that lead cost? And how much is that lead worth? So let's go to the banking consulting company. In their world, you know, big banks, big deals, average sale was $330,000, all right? So... And there were only 10,000 banks and credit unions, round numbers, at that time. So they had a limited market that they could sell to. And probably most of us do. You know, we can't sell to everybody. We've got to pick who we're going to sell to. So they picked banks and credit unions. Fair enough. Now, what's a lead worth to them? Is it worth $330,000? Probably not. Because remember, we're going to have to have 18 touches, you know, follow this all the way through. A lead may be worth $3,000. You know, it might take 100 cold calls to get a job, so it might be worth $3,000. Yeah? Okay. Cool. <laughs> and if you knew a lead was worth $3,000, how would you treat it? Like it was worth $3,000, right? Just like you treat anything else that was worth 
So why not? And if you knew a lead was worth a buck fifty, what are you going to do for it? Nothing, right? So that's sort of what you're going to figure out to begin with is where are the leads coming from them, what are they worth, how much time do you spend on them, and how much did it cost you to get it? I'd be willing to say that of all the listeners that we have today, less than 10% of them can give me an answer to that question. So if you're going to start somewhere, figure out what a lead's worth, where did it come from, and how much did it cost you to get? And someone's sitting there, well, Mark, I sell all kinds of things. I sell everything from a, a spare you know, filter to a, a $50,000 machine. Well, fine. What's a lead cost? What's a lead worth? And whatever. Maybe you don't pay any attention to the filters. You know, Maybe they get tossed into your $50,000 machine because nobody else does that. Maybe you supply free filters and, and, and charge another $1,000 for your machine. I don't know. But think about that later and figure out where you want to spend your time and money. I'm guessing it's on the $50,000 machines, but maybe not. So that's step one, Rick, is figure out what a lead's worth, where they come from, and how much they cost you to get. Because sooner or later, you're going to have to figure out, where am I going to invest my marketing dollars this year? And, you know, new era, we talked about this last time. If you've always done what you always did, you're not going to get what you always got anymore because it's not going to work. Whatever you did before is not going to work now, and you're going to have to change. And the adjustments may be minor. They may be major. Yeah. And I think people need to hear, but there's some kind of adjustment, if you will, to use that as a big word, covering a lot of ground in what we do in many things in our business. But I absolutely agree with you. In the sales process, the selling, the revenue part of our business, we have got to be aware and come up and make sure we adjust in the right areas, right? Right. And it's critically, in my opinion, maybe not in the short term, but in the long term, that we do adjust to the new reality. Right. And the next question is, because it takes time and it's new reality, do you really want your high-dollar salespeople spending their time doing that, or do you want somebody else to generate leads as a job, depending on how big you are, and then pass them along in the sales force as appropriate? And we'll get to as appropriate as we move along. But the next step is get the efficiency down. What are you doing to generate leads? And, you know... We can go back to the old days in 98. I joined every networking thing I could possibly think of, Chamber of Commerce, Shake Hands, ate enough rubber chicken to float a battleship. I don't know if that works anymore. It probably does work still some, you know, the, the B&I groups, the specific lead groups, but they're different in and of themselves. They're not all the same either. So it takes some shopping to find the one that fits you. But referrals are better than leads any day. Right, so then we're gonna do some definition. What, what's a lead, what's a referral, okay? A lead is, hey Mark, uh, you know, I know Joe Blow at ABC Company, you ought to call him up. You can tell him I told you to call, fine. So I call up Mr. Blow and I say, hey, this is Mark Miller, Rick Schistler told me to give you a call. And he goes, who's Rick? <laughs> and it's worth exactly as much as the bingo card or whatever thing that you got before. So leads are what they are, they're leads, you gotta take them, you gotta follow them up to some point but never get rid of them. Once the lead is in your lead box, it never comes out until they buy something and then it goes over to the customer box and it never comes out, all right? But the lead then needs to be followed up on some sort of time. So when you're generating and nurturing these leads, it's, think of it as a, as a seed, you gotta plant it, you're gonna put some fertilizer on it, you're gonna water it. Some of them grow, some of them don't. The birds eat some of the seeds, whatever happens. But you have to have a process for that too. Do you put them in a continuing email link and we're going to talk about a contact management system later on but it's easy to do now you don't have to think about it you make up the follow-up leads for all the cold leads little messages they come out every two or three weeks automatically somewhere in there it pings you after the third or fourth time to give them a call on the phone send them a text whatever you do and it, that process just happens and happens and happens so while you're out doing the next thing that seed that you planted from the rubber chicken lunch back in 1998 is still being fertilized, right? And who knows? Because all of this sales prospecting and lead generation is kind of like a giant Kino wheel. You spin it, and when you get in, is that when they're interested? And there are 180 slots on that wheel. So <laughs> interested in Mark is number 179. So how often does that come up? Not very, but it does come up. And if you're not there, it'll be interested in Rick, and you won't get the deal. 
So you've got to keep in front of them some way, and it's automatic now. And where do you spend your money? Well, if you knew what your process was and where the leads were coming from, the obvious answer to that question is where you get the most leads is where you spend your money. And you know, if you're if you're looking if you're thinking of something now, um, you know, everybody's telling me, you know, smart guys, marketing guys, invest in social media. I don't know what that means, but I think they're right. You're going to get more because the electronic communication is the thing now. I mean, in our house, we send text messages to each other. We live in the same house. <laughs> it's not like it's a mansion or anything, but we send text messages to each other. So it seems to work on our house. It's probably going to work in your house. So the next step then is... Well, let's let digress okay. just a little bit. You, okay. know, you mentioned uh, what I'm hearing is a theme that's kind of developing, one of several, and that is these, that we in the sales, whether we have a single... Uh, we're the sales guy, we own the business, or we have an extra, have an out, or have a salesperson on the payroll, et cetera, et cetera, is we've got to collect some kind of data. Yeah. We've got to collect data, and we hear that all the time in our lives now. It's all about data, 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 data. Uh, presidential elections about data, data, data. Everything's about data, but I would encourage people, if you're listening to this, don't get overwhelmed. In other words, if you're, if you're the sales guy, and you're the own the business, and you're by. You still need to look at some numbers because you think one thing's working, and it really isn't working the best. You miss it. I mean, I've been there sure. uh, in sales and otherwise. And it might be the thing you like to do best. Maybe you right. like to eat rubber chicken, but yeah, you know. So like the leftovers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but the point is, and, and data is right. But what you really want is information. And you can't get information without the data. So you know, if you're a sales guy and somebody asks you okay, this lead you got, where did it come from? You should be able to answer that question. It's not too hard. Did it come from a website post, an email blast? Uh, uh, I saw you on uh, Rick's radio program, uh, wherever it came from. We need to know that so that this lead, and we're going to follow that all the way through because we have our contact management system that's going to do that for us, started with Rick's radio program, and away it goes. And then when it comes back and it finally hits, you can add dollars to what it's worth to listen to Rick's radio program. And on and on and on. So without the information, and you know, I know salespeople were busy, I got too much stuff to do. No salesperson likes paperwork. And if you're a salesperson and do like paperwork, I don't understand, but that's fine, that's you. Then you're doing something else. <laughs> so get the paperwork done, click that box, and all you have to do is click it because you're gonna have a little drop-down menu. Where did the lead come from? And they can't get any further until they click the box, right? So they click the box, and it's in everyone's best interest to be truthful, okay? And if it's unknown, fine, it's unknown. There are bluebirds, please, when they fly in, nurture them, give them some seed, pet them on the head, and, and take them, all right? Unknown is fine, that's an answer, because hopefully your business is well known enough that someone just calls you up and wants to buy something every now and then. Right. Not very often in my world, right. but in your world, it but might it's happen there. every day. Yeah. So, but the key, what I hear you saying, is you've got to some way, somehow, record that information. And whether it's in a contact management system or whatever it is, and there are hundreds of ways to do this. Piece of paper, uh, computer programs, software, apps, everything. But you got to record the information if you're going to be efficient. And I think that's going to be one of the keys going forward, is really going to have to be efficient in our processes, sales processes as well as others. And if you don't start recording some of this data even on yourself, uh, you're going to slowly but surely lose some traction. That's my take on it. It is. And that allows us to go to the next step is, you know, not every company, but most companies have their quote-unquote top salesperson. And, you know, whoever it is, you know, people are always scared if Joe leaves or Mary leads, what's going to happen to my business? Isn't that a horrible place to be in? Because now your employees are holding your hostage. And those of you who own a business, I don't think that's why you started it, to be a hostage. So, and, you know, that, that story gets told hundreds and thousands of times with different endings and different goings on. Or you may be the rock star. And you're trying to run your business and sell. And at some point in your life, you're going to have to figure out what you're better at. And if you're the rock star salesperson, do that and hire somebody to run your business for you. Or vice versa. You know, if you're the smart guy that knows everything about the widget and invented it or loves it and likes to make it run and smooth and nurture it and love it, 
you probably don't like to go out and meet new people and, and follow up leads. You'd rather build your little widget. So fine. But everybody, every single business entrepreneur out there at some point has got to make the decision, all right? Do I want to do everything? Which means, just so you know, you're not going to do anything because you can't do everything. When you decide to do everything, you actually do nothing. So in my case, when I started in 98, I didn't want to do anything with the money. Why was I in business? Because I wanted to make money, but I didn't want to spend time with the spreadsheet because I knew Mr. Science, the chemist, was going to worry about that spreadsheet and whether the graph was going up or down or whatever. I didn't even look at it. I just gave it to somebody else, said, here, please take care of this. Let me know if I'm doing something wrong. You know, let's talk. But I don't want to do that. I want to go build my business. And you're going to have to do the same thing sooner or later. Well, it makes sense. Yeah. It really does make sense. And if you are the sales rock star, cool. Be the salesperson. Now, that's going to run into a problem because sooner or later you're going to have more business than you can, than you can handle. I know that might be hard to see right now, but it it's always happens. And then you're going to have to hire somebody else. And we're going to talk about hiring people later. But what we don't want to do is build a company that's based on rock star salespeople because, frankly, there aren't that many, probably 8% of them. Uh, and what you want to do is build a company that runs on an average sales guy. I mean, if you all remember the bell curve, you know, between the two sides, there's like 66% of the world in there. That's a lot of salespeople, you know, and they're okay, you know. So if you had a process that they could follow and if they followed it, they could close the business because you know what it takes. Why not? Then you don't have to worry about if Joe or Mary leaves. And when you have your process, you can hire the ones in the middle or maybe slightly to the right side of that curve, if you will, on the good side. But they go down. Remember, they go down 13% every little thing. So, you know. <laughs> you know, one of my favorite sales stories, I became friends with a, a gentleman who became kind of a mentor to me. Uh, became a mentor in, in, a, in an air field, being sales, but uh, he owned a forms company, sold all kinds of forms, tickets, things, multiple before automate. I mean, before digital became anywhere was not even part of the world at that point to any degree. But anyway, everybody had forms to fill out. You had a form you felt that when he went in and ordered something to eat, it was a form, right? What? So he had twenty some salespeople, and he told me one time, he says, uh, "We look for people to do five calls a day, in person calls." And he says, but my, my challenge is that if they get rejected on those first two calls of the day or the first three, he says, they're no good the rest of the day. He says, I only have four people that will be able to really make those afternoon calls and do a good job. Yeah. So four out of 20, call it, you know, or 25 or whatever. But it was 20-something, you know. And I always that always struck me, right? Uh, and, and he's got all these people on the payroll, but he's only got four superstars, rock stars, uh, who can make it through the day, if you will, day in and day out. And when it came time to divide up the leads, he divided them equally among all the salespeople. Right? Yeah. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Right. <laughs> but, you know, there is another story. that The truth is, for all you who are sitting out there shaking your heads, yeah, I really don't like people telling me no either. Here are the statistics. Cold lead, somebody you don't know very well, you, however you classify your cold lead list, somebody that said you ought to call, whatever that is. The truth is that somewhere between 0.5 and 2% of those people will ever buy anything from you. Okay, so think about that, 0.5 to 2%. If you were going to make a bet in Las Vegas, would you make a bet of $100 that something had 0.5 or 2% chance of happening? Probably not. So what's the other side of that is? <laughs> that means that somewhere between 99.5 and 98% of those people are never going to buy anything from you, ever, ever, ever. So... If somebody says yes when you first meet them, remember 18 times is the average number? And if somebody says yes, I always said, are you sure? Because <laughs> the last 20 guys I called said no. And, you know, is it, is it, is it really true? And, uh, you know, certainly don't kill the bluebird, but it's just not going to happen. So the expectation going in is you're going to hear no, and you're probably going to hear it in lots of different ways, like, no, heck no, and never call me again, which means wait six months and call them. Or, no, not really, not now. Uh, call me when you're by the next time, which really means no, heck no, and wait six months and call them again. So there's all kind of no's, but none of them are about you. Okay, it's not you. It's not, it's not Mark or Rick or Susie or Sally or whoever you are. It's just they don't want your stuff right now, or they're busy doing something else. Their kid just fell off the jungle gym at, at, at play school or whatever. Who knows what happened? It's not about you, you know. 
you're so vain, you think this sales call is about you? you know, really? The old uh-oh, song? uh-oh. <laughs> well, before we get, we've got a little bit of time left, but okay. you, you talk about it, and I'm following your graphic. Okay. Again, folks, you're listening, that graphic would be available on the video replay as well, but uh, leveraging technology, is that our next step? That is, and, you know, uh, contact management system, CRM, customer relationship management, and there, Rick, there are any number of these things out there. I mean, and it's like cars. You know, which one do you like best? You know, and somebody said, well, Chevrolet is the best. I don't know if anybody says that anymore, but, you know, somebody said, well, Salesforce is the best. Fine, it's also probably the most expensive, but if you like it, whatever. I mean, and there's any number of them. you got to pick one that you like, and I don't care which one it is, but use it. And in that thing, what it allows you to do is electronically track everything, but you have to use it. So some people just use it like a Rolodex. You know, it's kind of electronic Rolodex, and it's a big investment, you know, to get into electronic Rolodex. But it will do neat things for you, set reminders. It'll uh, automatically send letters and emails for you. Uh, it, it'll automatically remind you to call. It'll, it just on and on and on. Keeps track of your activity for you. Well, are you supposed to make five calls today? Well, it was raining, I only made three today. Well, Somewhere you got to get those 25 in for the week, so how are you going to do that? So it'll ping you and remind you, you know, 22 left or whatever. And all this process then is important. And it's not because Big Brother is watching you. Because the information is important so that you know what to spend your time on and where to spend it. And what's more important than that? And please don't confuse activity with productivity. Oh, well, <laughs> and it, it's accountability too, yeah. which is the thing. Yeah, and accountability. I find business owners approach me, uh, we do some uh, business roundtables, and the number one thing I lead with and have been taught, and it works, is NFM people are drawn to it, good business people. Yeah. They want to be accountable. Sure. So I'd, I would like to have a group of my peers. In this case, though, technology can help you be accountable as well. If you'll invest, learn it, and use it, it can help you be accountable. Just like my 10,000 steps a day, I'm accountable <laughs> on my Fitbit. Yeah, I have one of those things on too. Yeah. So, so what's next? Improving sales management. What does that entail? Yeah, and what does that mean? So if you're the, the only salesperson, who manages you? And the answer is no one, right? Because you're doing it. And remember, if you choose to do everything, you don't do anything. So nobody's holding you accountable except yourself. And Sometimes we're easy on ourselves, and sometimes we're really too hard on ourselves, which demotivates us too. And that's where this whole process comes in, because uh, the whole idea behind the sales quarterback thing is called fractional sales management. So, you know, you can hire a sales manager, you can be the sales manager, or you can fractionalize it and use somebody sort of part-time, if you will. And the idea behind that is that talent, not time, is what's important to sales management is how to do that, right? And uh, that guy asked me yesterday, well, out of all the sales consultants out there, what makes you any different? And I said, well, I am one because all those other guys just got laid off from a Fortune 50 company and hung their shingle out. How many people have they trained in a classroom? How many companies have bought into their system? And how many companies have made money because of their results? And the answer is usually not too many. So back to the banking consulting things, just to sort of wrap this up, I hope I don't go in too far, but we put a process in. And our process was, we sent out a direct mail piece, please sit still, nobody sends out direct mail pieces, right? So we did, and we put them in a colored envelope and we made them eight and a half by 11. Yes, I know it costs $1.50 to send, but remember 330,000 on the other end, okay. And only 10,000 prospects. So and only 10,000 prospects. So. And if you mail that many, it doesn't cost that much. So anyways, call it 10000 bucks to mail it to everyone. Then we had a group of people calling behind. Hey, uh, this is Mark with ABC Consulting Company. Hey, did you get that letter where we said we could bring $10,000 or $100,000, and some of them were a million five to your bottom line? Yeah, I saw those. You have any interest in talking about it? You know, is a million five important to you? Well, yeah. So we'd set an appointment. Right? And one of our consultants would go on the appointment. So here it goes. 20 phone calls generated one appointment. Okay, Four appointments generated one presentation. Right? So we're up to 80 right, for a presentation. We closed, believe it or not, 
33% of our presentations. Because by then, it was all done. It was over, right? 33% of the presentations, $330,000 a piece. We went from 26 million to 52 million in two and a half years by following a process. And we had, we had superstars and we had not so superstars, but even the not so superstars could go on the appointment, ask the list of questions that we gave them to ask, get answers, come back, get the proposal made, and then bring someone with them that could help them close, and away we went. And that would still be going on today, except they changed the system. Why, I can't tell you, but they did. So if the system works, don't change it yet. Yes, you can tweak it, but don't change it yet. And uh, the, the change really was we outsourced the calling, and uh, the only thought he could, he could uh, save money by bringing it inside. But then he had to train all the callers <laughs> and manage the turnover. And, you know, it's the old make versus buy decision right. that, you know, you make or you, or you don't make. So, please, if something's working, don't go in the middle of it and blow it up. <laughs> Just let it work its way well, through. Well, you know, you, you raised in a quick point here as we kind of wind down on this, on this part of the discussion uh, is that, there's all kinds of outsourcing available. Oh. So if you're a small business, yeah. you got a small team of one yourself or two or three or five, you can outsource. You can bring in people like Mark, right, yeah. to do some training, uh, help you manage this, uh, the sales force because you don't feel like you can afford a manager full time. There are all kinds of things. The call centers, uh, that all of that's available. It, and it's, it's a quality product out there or service that you can find and use. So don't feel like some of the things we're talking about, you got to beef up, invest thousands, tens of thousands of dollars to do it in-house. And it's, uh, it's not that expensive, Rick. I mean, that's the first thing I hired was somebody to call and set appointments for me. Because while I was training, I mean, you sell a training gig, you train. Then while you're training, you're not selling, right? So, so they were selling for me while I was training, and I could sleep from then. And, you know, fractional sales management isn't that much. Three grand a month, maybe. You want to hire a professional sales manager, 150, 175, I don't know. If you're in the software business, 250, you know, it's worth a shot. So uh, you're exactly right. You can make it, you can buy it, or you can do it yourself, which means you're really not doing anything. <laughs> right, and that's a good point. I hope folks hear that, uh, and that's true in so many respects. Well, take us down the home stretch, and let's wind this up. Okay, the one more thing is, okay, Salespeople, you're going to have to work on them in some extent. Maybe you train them. But the biggest thing you want to do is build a process for hiring a salesperson. Because hiring salespeople for most small businesses is like me hanging curtains at my house. I do it once every 10 years or so, and I forgot what I did the last time. And where if I hire somebody to do it, they come in, they don't even use a level or anything, and they put the curtains up straight first time, and they're exactly where they're supposed to be. Me? It takes a few times. And you know, if you drill those holes too close together, it's really hard to get the third one in. <laughs> so do that for your salesperson. Do some evaluation on the front end. There are any number of assessments that you can use. The one we like to use is a disk assessment to give you some idea of who you're hiring. Do they have the innate ability to sell even? The thing about that, uh, you know, full disclosure, if you, if you assess one, you have to assess them all, right? You gotta treat everybody the same. But that at least gives you a look under the hood. Have someone else interview them. Maybe you get someone to interview them for you. Because let's face it, if you can sell anything, you certainly ought to be able to sell yourself, right? So it's easy to make that change. Get a list of eight or 10 questions that you ask every salesperson the same question. Don't get caught into telling them about the story of your business and how you do it and get you talking. You want them talking 90% of the time, you asking questions, listening, watching their body language, whatever. Are they comfortable even talking to you? And, and if they're not, that's, that's a problem too. But, you know, asking the same question so you have something to compare with going down. And remember, you're not looking for the superstar necessarily. You may find one, but we don't want to build it on superstars. We want to build it on people that will follow our process once we have it. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's funny you say, particularly in smaller business, you don't hire, well, any position, but particularly sales. I found that true in my career. You, you, you got to have a notebook. I use notebooks, right? That right. ages me right there. But you've got to have a process that you can go back to and refer and look at what you did, 
probably need to do a little research if it's been a while to see if there's any new techniques out there, new tests, whatever might be more worthwhile. Sure. Uh, and then you can jump into it and, uh, and boil, you know, work off that process. Uh, I'm personally, again, I said it once, I'm big on outsourcing when I'm smaller to, but I got to spend the time to find the quality vendors. It's not a really hard thing to do if you've got any kind of associations and networking, but you need to focus on it. And uh, hiring that first salespeople, quite frankly, Mark, my experience with my small business clients, with myself, uh, that is the one of the hardest things of being in business by, you know, for myself was hiring the first salesperson. Exactly. I could hire the secretary, the, the, the somebody to open and close. I could hire somebody to produce it. But when I had to hire that salesperson, somebody who was going to be out on the streets, mostly unaccountable during the hours of the day and out there working, which, again, gets into the right focuses and the right accountability measures. So what do I care? They're sitting in a restaurant for two hours drinking coffee. I once ran into a, a sales guy in an industry that we bought into, and the guy made a quarter of a million dollars or more a year, and I'd heard that through the grapevine. And uh, he worked for a large company, had locations all over the United States. And uh, I guess I said, I said, how do you do that? I mean, what makes you different? Uh, and then he was older. He was in his 50s, 60s. But, I mean, he, so he had experience. But he says, well, I make all my money after 5 o'clock and before 8 o'clock in the morning. I said, what do you mean? He says, well, I have a breakfast appointment with a potential customer, client, prospect, whatever you want to call them, or an existing. And then I make it a point to have drinks or dinner and drinks with them after. He says, I make not even half my income because it's commission-based, right, off 8 to 5. He says, but I just make it, it's part of who I am and what I do. And, you know, there was a guy that had figured out. So in the middle of the day, theoretically, he could be at home asleep. It doesn't really matter, right? So be sure you have the right accountability in your process too. That's right. And and don't worry is, about where they are. That is what we call a non-reproducible sales system. Right. Because you can't hire people to buy breakfast and have drinks and dinner. Yeah. 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 So... It's a good point. Yeah. Anything in closing on this section? Yeah, the thing is that you, you're exactly right. It is the toughest thing to, that you're going to do in your business is hire the first salespeople. And people often make a mistake. They hire quickly. They get to the point where they say, I need some help. I'm just going to hire somebody. Oh, gosh. And they hire someone that looks dresses nice or their son knows them or their wife's girlfriend's mother knew them or whatever. All the wrong reasons to hire someone. And maybe that's the time to ask for help yeah. and get a good one in the first thing. And don't be afraid if it costs a little more. I'm sorry, but, you know, do you know how much it costs to hire a bad one? So figure out all the lost time with the leads that you invested in, goodwill with the customers that they have turned off that you will never probably get back, um, lost business because they didn't know what they were doing. I mean, I don't know. The list it goes, goes on, on and on and on, and on, and on, on, on doesn't it? Right. Yeah. Well, Mark, I appreciate it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes uh, part two of our soup to nuts conversation about the sales and the new reality, the new era that we're dealing with. Uh, we're going to have another one next week, uh, which will basically talk about the audit process, right, right. Mark? Yep. And uh, so I hope you'll tune in. And then eventually, uh, for your use, we're going to consolidate and turn this into one video cast podcast so that if you're thinking about sales, which everybody should be, then you can listen to this broadcast right on through and get the core messages uh, without any commercial breaks. So thank you for being with us, and thank you, Mark, and I look forward to the next program. Thanks, Rick. Good to see you. OneBestConsult.com, a community of small business owners where you as an owner can find answers to the most pressing business questions you have. Not sure who to turn to when you have a challenge in your business? Turn to the folks at OneBestConsult.com. That's the number one bestconsult.com, where you can always find advice you can use based on common sense business experience. Join our community of like-minded business owners at OneBestConsult.com. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed that uh, part two of our Soup to Nuts conversation with Mr. Mark Miller regarding selling in the new era. Uh, again, I said at the beginning of the segment uh, that there's a lot of change coming to us uh, throughout our businesses and personal lives as a result of the business shutdown and the health crisis and definitely selling. We've got to all start selling again 
to crank up our businesses, to crank up that business engine that exists within every business. So I encourage you, if you heard something, uh, you perhaps want to listen to it again. Uh, we have a video podcast will be posted uh, on Wednesday of this week for the entire segment, the entire show today. So be sure you listen to it and share it with other business friends uh, so they can pick up hopefully some ideas that can make a difference in their business. And I want to thank Mr. Miller for uh, taping that segment with us. Uh, we'll have part three next week. If you want to reach out to him, very simple, strategiesforsuccess.com. That's strategiesforsuccess.com. Reach out to Mark. He'll answer your questions. He'll guide you. He is available to work with you if you'd like him. He's very, very successful, very good at what he does, so I encourage you to do that. We're going to take our final break of the day, and when we come back, I'm going to talk to you about my one best consult tip of the week entitled, Who Are Your Best Clients or Customers Now? So please stay with us, and we'll be right back with you. It's all about business on the Weekly Business Hour every Monday at 11 a.m. on Lone Star Community Radio. Our talk shows and music shows are looking for sponsors. Want to expand your brand awareness? Reach the hyper-local audience in Montgomery County? Lone Star Community Radio sponsorships accomplish this. Want to see our stats and rates? Check out ourlonestar.com slash sponsor for more information. Or call in and leave us a message at 936-647-3776 with your questions. Get seen on TV, YouTube, and heard on our podcast, FM, and Internet Radio. Support your local radio station with Lone Star Community Radio. Did you know that there are over 153 million orphans in the world today? The sad reality is 99% of those kids will likely never be adopted. Core Love is an organization right here in Conroe that takes care of orphan children in Haiti, Honduras, and India. We bring the love of Jesus by providing their six basic needs of clean water, proper food, health care, education, job skills, and a loving home. Visit corelove.org. That's C-O-R-E-L-U-V.org. Will you help defend the orphan? Hi, I'm Keith O'Connor, CEO, coach, and business mentor. I've spent four decades helping multiple entrepreneurs use my principles to take their businesses to the next level. My methods do not fix your problems. They help you fix them for yourself. I call this process Closing Strong. Contact me at 713-557-1639 or visit my website at closingstrong.com for a risk-free 30-minute meeting to see how I can help you. Because a business can only go as far as its leader can take it. It's all business talk on the Weekly Business Hour every Monday at 11 a.m. right here on Lone Star Community Radio. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the Weekly Business Hour, and this is Rick Schistler. I'm your host. I'm a Silver Fox advisor, and I'm the founder of One Best Consult. Well, I appreciate you tuning in this week, and I want to finish out the week uh, with a short uh, address, if you will, to the issue of who are your customers or clients now? Uh, that may sound a little funny to you, but the point is, is you've gone through a period of time where your business was either completely shut down or was partially shut down. In other words, restaurants couldn't seat patrons, but they could serve takeout. And the reality is you open your business up this month, maybe next month, depending on where you live in the country. Uh, you need to determine who your customers are going to be because you're going to find that you lose some customers. And the point is, and I think so critical to all of us, and I have found so many people so far that are, are business owners that are not really focused on it, but the folks that come back, are they the ones you want to come back? Or do you need to be doing something right now to bring back some of the ones that may not come back uh, because they were your best clients, they were your best customers? So first and foremost, communicate. So many businesses took the last two, three months and basically took, took time off. They didn't communicate with their customers. And I don't care what kind of business you're in, you need to be communicating with your customers, particularly your best customers, all the time. I mean, social media makes that easy. Email makes it easy, very cost-effective. And you still have print advertising, radio, like here at Lone Star Community Radio, very, very cost-effective television. There's all, billboards. There's all kinds of media. 
and I'm amazed how many people just shut it down. I mean, I don't know if their business is still open. I don't know if they're going to reopen. Yet other businesses sent out all kinds of information. A lot of it was funny. A lot of it was encouraging. But it was done, in my opinion, in the spirit of retaining a connection. So what I'm saying to you, you need to do is, first of all, check out the facts. Get all your facts together. What's going on out there? Are your competitors open or closed? Are some of them not going to open, which may be the case? Evaluate what the market seems to be saying to you. And once you've done that, determine who your best customer is, and you already should know that, what their profile is, who spends the most money, who comes in and buys the most often, whether it be online or, or in the store or in the restaurant, who is your best customer? Make sure you know that. And then see that you how you can fit them in your marketing, how you can fit them into your business so that you definitely reach these people and let them know you're there and that you're open or opening for business. So we're going to define who our best customer is. That's first and foremost. And then see how they fit in the emerging or new market as it is that comes as a result of the shutdown and now the reopening. Ask yourself a second question. What can I do better in my service, my products? What can I do better to serve these best customers? There are always things you can do better. Ask yourself that question. And last but not least, don't be afraid to cut out a service or cut out a product or a product line. Evaluate what was working and what was not working pre-business shutdown, pre-pandemic. Doesn't mean it won't work better now, but evaluate what your winners and losers were and start with the attitude you're going to cut the losers out. Doesn't mean you'll do it, but start with that attitude. And then once you're ready, give it the green light and implement focus, focus, focus. Again, thank you for taking time to join us today. Hope you've enjoyed the program. Put a note on your calendar. We'll be back next week with part three, our final part of our soup to nuts conversation with Mark Miller entitled Selling in the New Era. It'll bring everything together and what Mark's talked about in these first two parts, so I encourage you to join us. And right now, thank you for joining us. Remember to stay in touch with what's happening in Montgomery County right here on Lone Star Community Radio. And until next week, stay engaged and keep your focus on what counts in your business. Thanks. Today's show was recorded and broadcasted live on IRLoneStar.com, Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and all rights and ownership are reserved to Lone Star Community Radio. For more information regarding this program and Lone Star Community Radio, visit us online at IRLoneStar.com. Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's community radio station, serving the community with local programming on TV, radio, and online. If you enjoyed today's program, please support us by sponsorship or starting your own show. Contact us today by phone or text at 936-666-1084 or email the station at lscrstudios at gmail.com.